Hello and welcome back to the Accommodation Show. We help accommodation owners like you get the knowledge and skills that you need to grow your business, improve your guest experience, and increase your profitability. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Accommodation Show. Today, I am super excited to be talking about how to sell a hotel. And I am joined by Tom Gibson from CBRE Hotels. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Bart. Good to be on. Yeah, I'm really excited because I like this topic. I like that um, you're joining us. You've got a huge amount of experience in the hotel space, um, in managing assets, selling assets, and that sort of thing. I'd really love to know more about uh, you, about what we're going to be talking about today, um, and where you fit into the whole puzzle um, of hotels. Thank you. Yes, I work with the CRE Hotels uh, Hotel Investment Sales Team. We have a quite a large team and. Uh, the biggest in the region through Asia Pacific. We specialize in hotels at resorts. Uh, we have multiple uh, aspects of, of advisory that we could provide to that from investment sales, which is the team that I'm on, to evaluations, research, and then further debt advisory, project management. The list goes on. It really, really depends on the type of client and I guess the, the motive for the assignment that we uh, bring in different elements of our business to to help the client. Um, personally, I started off in residential real estate uh, about 15 years ago and I was fortunate to sell a CBRE director's house in, in Brisbane and uh, he brought me onto his team and um, we started yeah, working together which was a lot of fun and that exposed me to the host hotel sector. Um, have a bit of hotel in me from my father and my grandfather. Uh, and with a bit of yeah, time in, in covering the Queensland market, uh, that eventually grew out to moving overseas. I did a bit of time in uh, Miami, Florida with Jones Lang LaSalle Hotels. We covered uh, South Florida and the uh, Caribbean markets. Uh, and then later after that, Chicago, Illinois with the Midwest. Uh, and then eventually back to Australia where yeah, I now cover uh, Asia Pacific on the investment sales side. Amazing. So, I mean, your your history and the length of time that you've been in the industry has been huge. And I just love the story that you've been sort of all over the world and seeing all different aspects of, of, of hotels. And I imagine it is super varied. Yeah, it is. A hospitality hotel market is, is very diverse, no matter which part of the world you kind of travel to and experience. And I was, I was fortunate enough to um, enjoy some time overseas and and travel all through America and, and Latin America and South America with the Jones Lang LaSalle team over there and got exposed to uh, some pretty interesting assets and, and clients and, um, you know, bringing that skill set back into Asia Pacific and, and kind of, uh, you know, taking advantage of what we have to offer here as a platform at CBRE and, and really, you know, over servicing our clients in the region. So it's been, uh, it's been an amazing ride. Yeah, there's kind of two aspects I want to I want to cover. One is you know the the change of landscape in selling a hotel, and I think that's really why we're going to be talking about it today. So I think there's two elements: is that we'll be talking about how to sell a hotel, which is super interesting, but there's um, also the the changing landscape. But just before I do, I'm really curious. Like when you talk about the the APAC region, um, what does that mean to to you guys? Because I find it's quite varied depending on different companies and what it actually means. Because APAC is just so massive. Um, what does it mean to, to you and, and uh, CBRE? Yeah, so covering the APAC region, we cover 
investment sales of hotels in Japan, in French Polynesia, Australia, New Zealand. So um, I guess when you look at the amount of brokers and advisors that are on the hotel space in, in the, you know, the whole of this market, there's not a lot and mm -hmm. specific advisors, it's even, even a lesser amount. So um, when we cover APAC, it's, it's kind of in our best interest to be, you know, diversified in our skill set and offer, you know, there's only so many hotel owners in the region and there's not a lot of them. So they might t typically have a, a hotel in Sydney and maybe one in Japan and maybe one in Singapore. So we, we do cover that uh, on the whole, I, I guess, as a team. Yeah. And so do they cover uh, Indonesia as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All through Southeast Asia. So really up as far as, um, yeah, Japan out to Hawaii, French Polynesia. Yeah. Uh, all the Pacific Islands, New Zealand, Australia, obviously, and then yeah, cool. China, Hong Kong, and then all through Southeast Asia. Okay, cool. So now if we start moving into into sort of today's topic, which is which is how to sell a hotel, yeah. um, let's uh, let's kind of break it down. What are we talking about when we're when we're selling a hotel? Yeah. So when you look at the hotel ownership landscape of um, how we are engaged as a broker, as an advisor, why would someone call us and in, in selling their hotels? It's really two buckets or two primary buckets with a, a third offside, which I'll touch on later. But the, the two first ones are, I own a physical hotel where you can touch it, feel it, you can stay the night there and I want to divest, I want to sell it. So just like with a residential house, you engage an agent to sell the real estate on your behalf, you would call us would run a process to find money to be able to acquire the hotel. Um, the other main bucket is, is the development side of things. So that's someone who's got an amazing block of land, you know, and it makes sense to build a hotel. So they get the permits uh, and they eventually want to build the hotel and then sell it on completion. That's where we will come in, which is typically a, a longer process. Obviously, we mm -hmm. try to get in with the relationship as soon as we possibly can. And CBRE, we have a, a full suite of services. So we tap into different services in the earliest stages to be able to provide advice to them in terms of market evidence, what's supply and demand metrics are like in the in this local area. Um, should they be building an upscale hotel? Should they be building a luxury hotel? Uh, and really understanding the dynamic of what is the right answer for what they should be building for that uh, subject property that they're going to build. And then from there, we can provide advice in terms of project management, so how to build it, how big should the rooms be, uh, all the way through to uh, opening and asset management. So uh, typically in the hotels world, it makes sense to stabilize an asset and, and get it opening and trading, and that takes anywhere between three to five years now with the, thanks to COVID, it's taking a little bit longer for hotels to stabilize. Though yeah. so we can help hotel owners uh, asset manage their properties on their behalf if they don't know how to run a hotel. And then eventually when the time comes to sell, that's where we are engaged to um, sell the real estate encumbered by a management agreement or a lease, depends on the mm -hmm. owner. Uh, and then the third bucket, which I'll touch on is, is really just going to an owner who is not actively selling. We've got a fantastic offer from the market on the buy side and we put it in front of them and it's too good to refuse. Now that can be, Typically, so I'll say that again. Now that can be the quickest format of a deal structure that can happen, you know, as a means to incentivize the owner to sell. That could be a cash unconditional offer on contract and could happen very quickly. Or alternatively, if you look at 
um, you know, the, the time it takes to negotiate a deal and the intricacies that come with each contract that could take, uh, yeah, many, many months, if not years. Yeah, gotcha. Wow. Look, so there's, there's so much to unpack um, through this. Uh, I think I really want to start off with um, uh, understanding if we, if we look at that first bucket that you were talking about. So that's someone that's that's got a hotel and they're looking to sell. And I can imagine knowing uh, knowing life that if you're looking to sell a business like a hotel, you, it's not, hey, I want to sell it next year. It's almost like you want to be thinking about it through the whole journey of the hotel. Um, and I can imagine that some people would call you and say, hey, we want to sell a hotel. And, and you would probably say, oh, I wish you'd call me three years ago. Um, what is that, that journey like trying to sell a hotel? When should we start thinking about it? Yeah, it depends on the ownership. So private equity typically have a five to 10 year investment life cycle as a lot of the funds do. So they are planning ahead and they'll have thoughtful CapEx investment where, you know, by X date, they should have hoped to have spend the money that they want to spend on the hotel to reposition it. And that allows them to reposition the business and trade it up to affect to it in the end result, sell the business on year five, year seven, whatever that might be. Yeah. Uh, in the case of a, of a private high net worth, he might have other motives, other businesses that he's got, you know, more focus going into and um, he might have owned the hotel for some time and the capital and uh, value might have enhanced quite significantly and look to exit just by taking advantage of, of the real estate value and, and liquidate accordingly. So each, diff each kind of scenario is, is very different. I don't think we've ever in my 12, 14 years of brokering, I don't think I've ever seen the same transaction happen twice. Um, if I'm talking about a vanilla process, what, how does a standard process unfold? So typically, we would have a relationship with most of the owners in, in the market. If we, uh, if you look at the amount of hotel owners in Asia Pacific, there's, there's not a, a whole lot of them and there is uh, definitely um, good relationships with each one. So we try to keep in touch with them as, as much as we possibly can to understand what their motives are, what their holding strategies are for their fund, for the specific asset. And if it's a hold, then we want to over-service them because at the end of the day, they could be a buyer of another asset, which might not mm -hmm. be available yet, but they could be a, a buyer in the future. So keeping close to uh, active buyers and owners in the market is equally important. Um, but when you look at a standard process, so let's say you own a hotel and you've decided, you know, I've had this hotel for 10 years, now's the time I want to sell it. Tom, how do I do it? So we would ask for detailed financials of the hotel's performance. We'd ask for property plans, just to really understand the hotel on its whole. And then we go walk through the hotel with you just to get a real true understanding of how it's positioned in the market. And we'd also look at comparables in that subject property market. Um, to get a feel for you know its upside and where the opportunity exists. Uh, at the end of the day, we're selling the business as well as the real estate. So unlike an office tower where it's encumbered by at least a Telstra for 50 years at CPI, you know you're going to get rent for CPI for the next 50 years. Sure. In the event of being a hotel owner under a management agreement, you are prone to the market. So like with COVID, if there's no one paying for room nights in your hotel, you're not going to make any money. The manager's obligation is to perform on your behalf and fill them and put bums on beds effectively and, and get a profit for you. Now, obviously, market is not normal with um, pandemics. So we like to kind of see a stabilized period that it 
kind of ignores mm-hmm. all that and, and looks through it. Um, so from in case... Because, I mean, like, right now, year-on-year numbers uh, just don't mean much in most countries, right? Like, you can't look back for the past two years and go, oh, that was a good period because you can't really predict... And not only that, historically, you don't have data that's kind of real um, because everything's changing so quickly. And then looking into the future, probably even worse now than when we were during COVID because of all the inflation numbers. And you go, well, people are traveling. But yeah, so how do, how, like, how do you feel the current market conditions have affected the ability to value um, a property or to understand what revenue is predicted to happen? Sure. I think when you look at hotel as an asset, I was just grabbing your, your comment on inflation. The hotel asset sector as an investment sector has historically materially outperformed inflation. Uh, and that's why, yes, it takes the biggest hit when the pandemic start, but unlike the retail sector, they bounce back the fastest. You know, you, you are privy to the market. And if you have a look at the regional luxury sector in Australia, those drive to destinations, no one was going to America or Europe or Bali for the holidays. They were staying in our backyard and really exploring our backyard, which was which was you know the silver lining of COVID for Australian tourism sector, and that allowed you know places like that offered a unique experience, great accommodation. It allowed them to be able to drive right and therefore profit to a point that well exceeded where they were in 2019. So when you look at 2020, 2020, 2021. And even now, even with borders open, they're still well out, well and truly outperforming 2019 levels um, to a point that, you know, it's almost like, how do I forecast where it's going to sit in the future? We're finding for those That's type right. of properties, it is hard, but it's typically a balance of somewhere between 2019 being historical pandemic and then 2020, 2021 uh, being that super profit period where you're experiencing high high demands, 90 plus percent occupancy, uh, you know, rates 20, 30 percent up on where they were pre-pandemic. So it's quite a fascinating change. Whereas you look to the the CBD markets, you know, Sydney CBD, one of the hottest um, in institutional investment markets in the world. Um, we commonly get requests for, you know, I want a freehold 200 room vacant possession hotel in the middle of the city that's available to, to buy and tell me where that is because we just we don't see that come available so you know you look at the the landscape of owners in sydney and even melbourne they're long-term generational owners and they're not selling so when a pandemic comes on where they might have 90 percent of their business attributed to non-hospitality businesses overseas it might be for them about liquidating a headache where this is the opportunity to come into sydney cbd and because of the amount of cash that's raised in the private equity space, we are seeing, you know, sale transaction volumes take over where it was pre-pandemic, despite profits being well below where, where it has historically been. So um, the buyers for that through those type of processes, are we're really selling them what the recovery is like in those respective markets. You know, Sydney's going to bounce back CBD-wise, hotel performances will bounce back. The rates, the occupancies, it's they're ahead of budgets. Um, mm-hmm. And the money's still there. I mean, yes, there's inflation concerns, but there's a lot of there's a lot of money raised on the sidelines and they're looking for quality transactions. And in Australia there's there's not a lot of them. So when they come available, they're they're still hotly sought after despite the, the turbulence over the recent months. 
yeah. And I, I think that's the thing is that right now we have a, a lot of unpredictability, right? And what, we, what you're saying is, hey, that the, the, the sector's done very, very well, um, depending on where you're located. Um, and so now just going, is it going to continue or is it going to change and how will it change and how are people going to move around? Are people going to travel more? Can they travel more because of the airlines and that sort of stuff? But I'm digressing a little bit. I want to kind of go back a little bit to um, to the selling, to the selling side. So um, you've, you're going to go do a walkthrough because obviously you're saying that it's you're not just selling the asset, you're actually selling the business as well. Um, and what are the steps of the process that are you guys taking? Yeah, so we'll provide you with advice in terms of what we think the asset looks like. So we've got all the information from your hotel. We can see the past five years of financials and we can, having walked the property, we can see that, you know, the meeting space is maybe too much, too much for the subject hotel and your occupancy is through the roof. You need more hotel rooms. So maybe it's, Maybe we convert that meeting space to 20 more hotel rooms and we can get some value out, out of that. So when we go to pitch on it, we kind of bake these ideas into what the next mm -hmm. owner would want to see moving forward and how they should be uh, underwriting and how they should be buying it effectively. Um, so we provide you with advice in terms of how we market it. So that's from using online resources like, you know, hotelconversation.com to give those guys a plug. Uh, realestate.com, you know, news articles, uh, all the way through to, you know, our databases, which is the primary source of interest. Um, and then we run a, a, a kind of a value assumption on, on the hotel, what we think it's worth. And we provide that, um, uh, I guess, overview to you as the owner. You'll say, great, but I want to sell for X, not Y, which is what we've provided you. And we might be close enough for there to be a, a you know, a process that we can run out. Uh, and that would be creating a document that sells the dream. So an information memorandum, it's, it's a, you know, a 20 to 40 page document that you can understand the property without having to physically go and see it. Uh, we complement that with a data room with all the information from laundry contracts to staffing contracts, stuff that is not the, it's more the nitty gritty of the deal. Um, we then present the opportunity to qualified institutional buyers that are active uh, as well as private high net worths and we say this is the opportunity this is what the, the client wants and this is why it's worth that much we run that process for five weeks the last day of the fifth week we call for offers non-binding where we hope to receive dozens of bids and we say <laughs> here are the best five and these are the reasons why and that's because you've bought hotels before you've you've just bought something around the corner um, you know, you've just raised capital and you're ready to spend money. So you're qualified money. We know you're actively buying and looking for opportunities. And we'll give you our advice in terms of what's the best offer and why. And we'll kind of rank it on a, uh, on a matrix, so to speak. Um, from there, we give you a shortlist process where it's about a two-week process to pick the best buyer. And from there, we can understand who is the outlier, who's, who's the buyer for this property. And then we move to typically a heads of agreement or a contract that is subject to due diligence period so they can complete cross checks with their lawyers and auditors to understand, you know, cross check the income, cross check the contracts, the real estate title, uh, which takes anywhere from four weeks to three months typically. Um, upon completion of that, then uh, the contracts will be exchanged where the, the deal effectively becomes 
unconditional and then it moves to settlement where money goes from one bank account to the other. So when you're looking at that first phone call when you called me and said, hey Tom, I wanna to sell my hotel, to getting money in the bank, on average it's about seven, seven to eight months. Yeah, and then, so, uh, I'm, I'm super interested. So, someone gives you a call and they say, so obviously you've got, you've got groups that already have everything in the plan, so they've kind of planned it all out and they'll know whether they're hitting their metrics and their numbers to be able to sell. But then there'll be another group that doesn't really know just yet um, whether they're in a good position to sell or not. How, how often does that happen? It happens all the time. I, mean, I think especially now with, with COVID, you know, we are very closely working with owners to give advice. You know, you should be looking to, you know, engage this group or if it's an owner operated hotel and you don't have a management in place and not getting the distribution that a manager will provide it, mm -hmm. as I'm sure Richard Crawford from Marriott, you know, that is so critical. So um, unless you don't have that kind of brand, brand uh, IP value where people go to stay at your hotel or you don't offer, offer that location that can derive that rate and occupancy, you know, it's critical to have a, a, quali you know, a quality manager in place that can perform that on your behalf. Um, and that could be one of the advices, you know, you should maybe talk to Marriott or Hilton or Hyatt or Accor, um, TFE, you know, the list goes on. So uh, that's one avenue. Another might be, you know, changing the business mix of, of their of their asset and maybe investing some money if they've got the capacity to to take it to another level and, and get more profit and extract more profit and therefore value out of it. So, um, you know, that's one avenue. If it's a timing issue, we might say, look, now's not the best time. Maybe pump the brakes. Let's see where we are. And we might, you know, give them a, an informal underwriting at that time just to understand where their values are. and that might change, you know, in six months time when they pick up the phone again and say, you know, we've done this and that, and we've got this agreement and that business now here, does that change the business profile and the, and the value? So we'll, we'll pick up the tools again and, and revalue the, the business, so to speak. Um, yeah, so it's different. So let's say you are privately managed and let's say the numbers aren't what you want them to be. It might be worth going with a bigger group and, and lose profitability just so that you get um, more revenue to be in a bit better position to sell. Does that math make sense that I just went Yeah, through? it does. Look, I think every owner will, will always looks when they get into a management engagement conversation, they look at the fees, what they're paying, but it's all, it's always, they got to see the trees through the forest and uh, sorry, other way around. <laughs> and you got to see the forest through the trees and, and understand that, you know, they're, they're adding value. You know, there is a balance point where it does make sense and whether that's the size or the rate that derives that, but it gets to a point where it does make sense to extract more out of the business by engaging a third party manager who has, you know, a, an unrivaled skill set in doing that. Um, you know, when you look at luxury lodges, typically run mum and dad businesses, you know, regional hotels, they might be performing excellently, but there are managers out there that can manage on their behalf and take the tools away from them on a kind of a daily risk point of view. Um, to the big box hotels that we see in cities, it's horses for courses. There's, there's kind of a management brand for, for, each, for each type of hotel building, but it's the same goes again. You know, if I own a 300 room hotel in the outskirts of Sydney and it's not performing as much as I would have liked it to because, you know, hotel PTYLTD doesn't get the brand name out there, then I might go to a manager who's got the brand, the distribution, can plug it in and, and, and take it to another level and therefore the value of my hotel to another level.
And when you're uh, doing the analysis uh, of you know whether a hotel is performing well or not, obviously we can look at profit numbers and go, well, yes, that's profitable or not, and we have these sort of expectations. But quite often as well, that can be comparable to everybody else. So you can go, oh, well, I'm super profitable. It's like, yeah, but those guys are four times more profitable. We're in the middle of COVID and you should be doing way better. Um, so therefore, actually, you're not, you're not doing as good a job. Um, are you guys comparing uh, different assets that are very similar when you are kind of putting together uh, the valuation? Yeah, we do a, a myriad of, of different uh, value assumptions and and one of them is typically a benchmarking analysis to look at what comparable hotels are doing on a like-for-like -like basis. So, you know, you might own a hotel and, and down the road there's one that's a copy-paste the exact same and their rate might be, you know, $50 higher than yours. Um, so we try to under, under, well, you can very quickly understand that that is an opportunity for a new owner to say, you know, that hotel is doing the higher rate. Mm. You should be performing that level. So we do a cross-check of market dynamics on a macro level being supply demand issues, but then also on a on a more sensitive level being, you know, subject property benchmarking and um, kind of pulling up the, the pulling out the tools in terms of, you know, what should this hotel be? Where's the opportunity? Because as I say, it's not it's not just a real estate transaction, it's a real estate and business transaction where you either are either working with a manager like a Marriott, a Hilton, a Hyatt, all those guys or you're running it yourself, obviously, which takes more expertise. Um, so it, it really depends case by case, but it, it's, uh, it's so many different variable factors to kind of confirm value. And um, yeah, there's, that's definitely a critical piece to it. And then the, the next bit that you said earlier on, you said you package it up and then you kind of create the dream or you're selling the dream. Um, and I completely understand that term. But in terms of selling a hotel, and it's from the buyer's perspective, right? So you're going to be looking at your, I guess, what I'd call an avatar of your buyer. You know, who are my buyers? What do they look like? What are they looking for? What is what is their dream? When what? Yeah, how does that look? Is it just money? No, it's the dream of taking the hotel to another level and and where it is today and comparing it to where it should be and and selling that growth. That's that's the dream that that I allude to. Um, you know, when you look at the hotel investment asset class, it is notoriously one of the more riskier asset classes. So as an advisor, how do I de-risk that to the investment community? How can I package it up in a way where, you know, this is no brainer, I should be buying this for these reasons and I've, you know, done my diligence and, and it stacks up. So we do that by looking at the debt funding point of view. So we'll get advice from lenders, non-bank and bank lenders in the market to understand where their lending terms are for the subject hotel and get a few options for the investment market to review and pursue on their own accord or with us. We've got our own team internally that help with that. And then also from an asset management point of view, we have an asset management team that we hold the hand of owners and buyers to say, this is what you should be doing moving forward. And here, here's the growth and this is what the, the growth looks like when you um, extract that, uh, I guess, those opportunities out of the hotel. So you've got the debt, you've got the asset management, and then you've got the investment sales and advisory side. So we provide evidence in terms of, you know, what's happening in the market on the transaction point of view. Uh, and that helps to grow your value and understand the market fundamentally, but also how the trajectory and how the, I guess, the, the lifeline of this life cycle rather of this uh, hotel investment will be. And, 
you know, I'm going to exit in seven years and I'm going to roughly exit for this price. Yeah. So uh, in in hotels, what what percentage of people or owners would you say have got a, a five, seven, ten year plan? Well, I think if you, you rewind back before the pandemic, private equity were not a significant buyer of hotels. We were fortunate to do a couple of them with the active guys in the market, though it's predominantly owned by high net worth individuals. Um, private institutions as we call it. So you Singaporean billionaires who have institutions that own multiple hotels. Um, and then yeah, the private high net worth individual buyers and, and property groups in Australia. That has significantly changed to where we are now in the market. I think private equity takes up probably about a third of all the buyers and you've got high net worth taking up the other third and then the other remaining third being investment managers. So representing uh, capital to go and invest on their behalf. Mm. They're the three main buckets of buyers that we're dealing with right now. And, you know, someone's pain is someone else's opportunity. And um, as we're seeing now with the pandemic and banks coming off with their incentives to, you know, keep distress at bay, it's, it's definitely, you know, distress isn't, we're not seeing it in terms of pricing, but if you pull back the curtain of the owners, you can definitely see there is some layer of distress. And as we move forward with inflation and labor cost issues, you know, it, it is, there's going to be some opportunities, um, though the amount of buyers inversely on the buy side and the amount of capital raised that we're dealing with is kind of offsetting that discount. At least that's what we're seeing in transactions that we're doing now. Um, we're getting towards the end of, of, of my questions. And I know that uh, we were talking before we got started that for each of these buckets that we were talking about, it could be, you know, a day, a month, a week of, of consulting um, to sort of really unpack all of these different bits and pieces. So, you know, I think even from a, from a top level, there's some, some great value to be had in terms of things that people can think about when they are uh, approaching their businesses and selling it and, and things to actually think about in those opportunities. And it doesn't, all of this stuff transfers between a really small business up to a large one. Um, the one question that I had to, to sort of close us off, and it's just a, a bit of a personal interest, you talked about creating that, that opportunity and finding the opportunities and selling the dream in terms of, hey, this is what you could do with this particular asset. This is where it's valued at blah. You can do blah. And then not only are you going to increase the profitability, but you're also going to increase the value of the of the asset. So I completely understand that. And then you can go through and you can you know change teams. You can change uh, structure in the business. Do you get as granular as looking at technology? Because we talked about technology just before we got started. And my gut feeling is that, you know, we've, we talk about it all the time. Technology is changing the future or going to be needed to change everything in the business and to become more profitable, more efficient. But as, as we get more uh, distressed, um, then we need to leverage or find new opportunities because there's only so many times you can renovate a room is what I'm getting at. How much is technology going to play in the future of your pitches uh, and um, of creating more value? Yeah, it's a very good question. And I think, you know, pre-pandemic, it, it probably was minimal. We had no emphasis on looking at technology, though, as the world's evolved and as critical and as high costs of labor is today, especially in the hotel segment, you got to you got to really forensically look at where are the opportunities in my profit and loss statement in order to be able to save money and, and make money effectively. 
Um, mm-hmm. And you know, as recently as uh, a few months ago, we did a, a hotel review for a, a client, and uh, we compared their profit loss statement to others in the in the sector, and we could see that. Um, their information and technology systems were costs were very outdated and that was an opportunity for them and, and we realized something in the order of about a million dollars of value uplift just by changing an agreement from one system to another system so mm. um, as granular as that but then also we when we work on uh, proposals and, and even tra- live transactions critical nature of, of being in a big company like this is the force of the team and, and the full service nature that we offer you know, we work with the value valuations team and research team, but we also work with the asset management team. And when we're working with asset managers to understand where the value is in a hotel profit loss statement, they're gonna review it with a fine tooth comb to, to really pull apart what the hotel's doing right and what the hotel's doing wrong. And a lot of the wrong side relates to technology uh, investment. And, and really that's where the opportunity is to save money. So we do provide that advice through, you know, as early as our pitch, but also, through servicing buyers to give them comfort to know that you know with an X investment in technology, you can look to save you know Y and, and create value. Look, uh, I can I can see so many opportunities to talk to you again, particularly um, uh, talking about international markets. We didn't even cover that today. Yep. Uh, we didn't cover uh, uh, developers and developing hotels and that sort of yep. thing, which is its own. A bag of fish, yeah. uh, a of fish. So, if anyone needs to contact Tom directly, and he'll be able to set you on the right path and get you in, engaged in in that path if it's of, of interest. Um, I want to say thank you so much for for joining us on on the show and, and just providing value. It's it's you know you you've taken your time out of your day just to sit down and try to help other people out. So that's super appreciated. Um, is there any way that people can reach out to you, keep in touch? Yes, absolutely. LinkedIn, email. We can share those details accordingly. But uh, I, I'm effectively a real estate agent, so more contact them, area. Yeah, great. And look, uh, we'll put all your links in the show notes. And for those of you that are listening and enjoying our content, make sure you give us a like, give us a subscribe. It really does make a difference. It allows me to keep interviewing awesome people like Tom um, and keep the show going and, and, and providing value to everybody. Uh, Tom, thank you. Uh, thank you very much once again. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks very much, Matt. Pleasure to be on. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can find us at theaccommodationshow.com where you can find all the show notes, links to resources we have talked about, and transcripts from the show. I really do appreciate you listening. And if you'd like to support the show, then please subscribe, leave a comment, and share it with others.